when you're in that, that aircraft, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or, it, you know, it's just your passion, your ability to fly, to operate that aircraft. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. And as always, I am super excited about our guests and our conversation today because we are going to talk um, with the most amazing young woman in STEM that I think I've had the privilege of meeting in a really, really long time. We're going to be talking today um, with Shasta Ways, who is the founder of the nonprofit organization Dreams Soar. And here's the thing that we should all just be blown away and amazed by with Shasta. She flew around the world solo in a Beechcraft Bonanza A36 aircraft in 2017, becoming the youngest woman to circumnavigate the globe in a single-engine aircraft. And if that's not cool enough, the purpose of her global flight for STEM was to inspire the next generation of technology, science, engineering, math, all those STEM folks and aviation professionals, particularly young girls, which is the foundational mission of DreamSoar. Add to all of that, and that, you know, she flew 24,000 nautical miles in a 145-day journey, visiting 22 countries across five continents. And Shasta is truly a rock star in my mind. And the other thing, just to sort of give a bit of global context for this, and then Shasta and I are going to talk about this in great depth, is that, you know, she was born an Afghan refugee camp and that she and her family traveled to America in 1987 uh, to escape the Soviet-Afghan war. And, you know, as part of her journey, she wanted to be able to go out and show girls around the world that if you dream it, you can be it. And so Shasta, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Annalise. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Uh, we are so happy to have you. And, and for some context to our listeners, um, a couple of years ago, um, I had the privilege of, of meeting Shasta for the first time. And um, we joined together to sort of create and pilot a program trying to, to help facilitate the work that Shasta is doing around getting more girls in STEM, in particular in aviation. So we started building out some programming. Uh, Shasta came to Columbus. She met a whole bunch of kids. We did this amazing um, girls soar uh, day, if you will. Um, out at OSU and Rickerbacher Air, Airport. And then since then, we've been doing more things together and just really, really sort of to help push um, the dream store agenda of getting more girls and women in STEM and aviation in particular. And so, Shasta, I want to start with, give everybody the sort of 100,000 foot view about why this sort of mission and vision is so personally uh, a, a passion project for you. Well, Annalise, um, I have to start off by sharing. Uh, growing up, I I really didn't challenge myself when it came to my education. Uh, I went to uh, I was in a school district in Richmond, California, and 
in this specific school district, it was just a lot of poverty. We The school district didn't have a lot of resources. We had tons of substitute teachers. Um, you know, it just wasn't very stable. And for me, it almost seemed like school was somewhat like of a daycare. Like you go there from, you know, a period of time in the day and then you go home and, and that's that's the end of it. So I didn't feel challenged or a sense of belonging when it came to education. And I was just kind of getting by, you know, doing the bare minimums, not really doing my homework. It wasn't until later in life, I have five sisters who are six girls, where um, eventually my family moved out of this school district to a nicer school district. Where nicer, what I mean by that is we had resources, we had a library, we had teachers Mm -hmm. that we knew that were with us from the very start. Um, But the biggest shift was the students, uh, my classmates. And I remember being um, involved in class projects and everyone talking about college. And I just felt so, so much like an outsider. Like I, I, I didn't even know, you know, what really college was about. I didn't have this um, connection with education. I didn't know what I would want to do if I were to even go to college. And I'll never forget it. It was during lunchtime. I was sitting um, with my friends and they turned to me and they're like, well, Shasta, what about you? What is it that you're going to do after high school? And I'm like, well, you know, I hope I get married and have children at, you know, right after high school. And they were shocked because this was something that wasn't common. Um, you know, the, the norm was either get a job or go to college. And the way that that made me feel, it resonated with me because I thought, you know, I feel like an outsider. I feel like I'm so behind and I may not go to college, but I have four younger sisters And I would never want them to feel the way that I feel right now in this conversation. And if I don't change things for myself and figure out what college is about and what are the SATs and financial aid, if I don't figure it out for my sisters, then they might follow into my footsteps and, you know, have these same experiences uh, once they would get into high school. And I think that's where the seed was planted. And from there, when I started to, you know, just figure out next steps, college. I learned a lot and I took that, that um, information and I thought, well, wait a minute. If I feel this way about college, there might be other peers of mine feeling the same way. Uh, and so I started a, a club called the College Bound Club. And it was just for students who didn't know what college was and they had, had an interest. And is this in high school or in college? Sorry, started this is, this? Yeah, this is in high school. I'm sorry. So um, still so, in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. College Bound Club. Then fast forward to when I got to college, you know, I, I saw the difference that that my passion had on my sisters and my my peers in, in high school. And I, I just, it, it was just such a good feeling to be able to mm-hmm. give hope to people and give them information. And that carried on into college. Uh, when I was in college, I started what is known now as the Women's Ambassadors Program. Um, and for those who don't know, I, went, I attended a university called Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. I did my bachelor's and my master's there. And I started the Women's Ambassadors Program, which essentially is a big sister program where current students mentor the incoming female freshman class. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And that made a difference. And and I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm a pilot. What is stopping me from getting into an airplane and going around the world 
and sharing this passion for education, for specifically STEM, because I grew up thinking, oh, it's just so scary. Like, I'm not good in math. I don't know much about science. But once I related STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, to my passion, which is aviation, I started to understand it more. And so I just had this need. I need to utilize my passion, go around the world, and talk to students who normally wouldn't be exposed to aviation or STEM and and share this beautiful field with them and hopefully get them inspired. Which which we know that you have. We're going to dig into the way you've inspired others here in a minute. But I want to I want to sort of step back just a minute, and 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 sort of get a sense from you of how does a young, passionate, inspired woman in high school who's not sure even what the whole deal with college is or how to get there, what that's going to look like. How do you go from that young woman to finding your way in college, but in the field of aviation, I mean, Emory Riddle is really hard to get into. And more importantly, it's very, very centrally focused. It's very specific. So how do you go from a young woman who doesn't know a thing about college to a young woman who is now studying aviation? Where's where's the backstory? Help us make that connection with you. Yeah. You know, if I were to figure it out, you know, what college was about, if it was for me, I don't think I would have been as driven to figure out you know, the information that I did, but because I was doing it for people that I loved, my sisters, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. really kept me motivated to ask questions that, you know, are common to others. But for me, it was just, it was all new. And my parents, they grew up in Afghanistan. They could barely speak English. I couldn't go to them and ask these questions. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. what I learned is the more that I asked, the more knowledge that I gained, the more empowered I felt, and, I, and the more I realized that there are a lot of people like me out there and they're maybe too shy or too embarrassed to ask those questions. And it just like, the, I felt like the more involved that I got, the more I felt like, you know, this is my purpose. I don't know what my purpose is after high school, <laughs> but this is it for now. And I felt so empowered. And, and so that really kept me going. And I realized that, if I am helping others, I, I strive. I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I do it for selfish reasons, you know, I fall flat in my face, but if I'm doing it for others who really need it, it's what keeps me going. And it, it's, it motivates me to ask those questions and not get embarrassed. And really knowledge is just education and knowledge mm-hmm. really is so powerful. It's, it's, it's just, it's lifted me up so much. Um, and that's carried through, you know, going to Embry-Riddle. Um, Embry-Riddle was the only college that I applied to because I thought this is where I want to go. I need to figure out wow. how to get there. Wow. Um, and to be quite honest, you know, everything in my life, I feel like is so random, but I grew up terrified of flying. Um, and the reason for that was is because we lived very close to an Air Force base and you would hear these massive C-17s taking off and you would just hear the the sheer roar in the engines as they would fly and yeah and as a kid who knew nothing about aviation that terrified me and Hmm. the only exposure that I had to aviation were aircraft accidents on television um so you know I was very afraid of flying and when I was 17 you know after 
graduating from high school, I received a scholarship from my high school um, specifically to me. They they uh, mm-hmm. uh, chose me, and and it was a scholarship that the terms were to get this money, you need to go to college. And we're giving this to mm-hmm. you because we believe in you and we want you to go to college. And you've done so well in high school. Uh, so that, that empowered me. And after high school, I went on a, a flight from California where I grew up to Florida. And there I was 17 years old, sitting in the back of a Delta Airlines flight, really afraid of flying. And when that jet took off, it was like all of my fears just stayed on the ground. And it was just beautiful to be up in the air. And suddenly the city that I grew up in, this, this town, it looked so small from my window. And I just had this perception of the world. And it just seems so exciting that this is the view pilots get to see every day. And I thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's just been an amazing journey. But I have to say, it was a lot of being brave, getting out of my comfort zone and really trusting my intuition and and tr- and believing in this these things that would come to me like getting on an airplane and and flying and having this feeling that I want to become a pilot. That is an amazing story and I know you hear that all the time and and I've heard you tell pieces of this story uh full disclosure for our listeners before and and I'm fascinated every single time by the telling of the story, um, in, in part because just, I mean, it was a brave thing to do on so many levels. I mean, to literally just take this leap and know in your heart of hearts that it was going to work out for the best and it was going to make a difference. And so I, I do want to fast forward a little bit bit and we you're through through college you you become a pilot you you do all of those components and then um walk us through sort of the next piece of the story that says hey you know i'm a young woman and what the heck let me fly solo around the world right and 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 granted the the reason for the mission if you will you know to inspire others to be brave to to have passion and to recognize that they too can uh to to be part of the, the great you know stem ecosystem that is but you know along the way i suspect that there were there were many more pieces to it than that so so walk the listeners through just sort of at that sort of high level about why that journey why do it that way? Why, why, why the, and the stops along the way that allowed you to tell the story and inspire others, you know, you were getting a lot out of that as much as they were, they were getting. But at, at, at the end of the day, when you look back on it, you know, sort of what, what, what was your purpose and mission that you then now still carry forward? Because I do want to get into your current work um, on our conversation. So it all started, um, typically, when you become a pilot, there are three categories of flying that you can do. And this is very general, but it's either join the military and fly for the military, or fly for the airlines. Or, and the third option is to fly business or corporate aviation, which um, you know any major corporation out there typically has a flight department, uh, sports team. And, and so that those that flying where you fly that corporate jet um, or business aircraft that's called business aviation so there's these three broad categories and to be quite honest i just i didn't see myself in any of these three um 
buckets. And it wasn't like, you know, I thought, you know, I don't want to be an airline pilot. I don't want to fly for the military. I actually gave it a good shot. I interned mm-hmm. with a huge airline uh, in um, in uh, uh, west the west coast of uh, the United States. Um, and I had an amazing experience there. And I worked a lot with pilots and I got to jump seat in the cockpit of this airline. Um, I also went out in Alaska um, and spent about a week with the Air National Guard there to learn about, you know, what military flying is all about. And that was very insightful. And then I had um, went on tours and attended very big business aviation conferences that were taking place around the United States. So, you know, I really tried to do my homework and figure out where do I belong? And I just, I couldn't find myself belonging anywhere. And so one day I took a step back and I thought, okay, if money wasn't a factor, if like take everything out, Shasta, what do you want to do? Like, what is your perfect ideal job? And I came to this conclusion that I want to fly my small plane around the world and share with others um, the importance of education, the importance of stepping outside of your comfort zone and being introduced and exposed to careers in STEM and aviation. And more specifically, I want to do this for women because I feel, you know, women are not represented in the STEM fields and in aviation. Uh, There's a big gap and we're, these fields are missing a great deal of talent because women are not a part of it. And they're here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And so, you know, I initially had this idea, but I thought I could never be brave enough to get into a plane and actually fly around the world. But the more that I advanced in my flight training and the more flying that I did, I learned a very big lesson. And that is at the end of the day, the aircraft, when you are pilot in command, the aircraft doesn't know if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're from Afghanistan, if you're from Ohio, if you have blue hair, black hair, the color of your skin. It, it, those factors that hold us back, it just it's irrelevant. The only thing that's important when you are flying is your ability to fly that aircraft. It's such an unbiased environment. And knowing that it empowered me to be who I am, embrace my background, embrace who I am and what I look like and just go for it, you know? And so the more that I learned this lesson after every flight, the more empowered I felt. And I thought, you know, I got to one point where I I told myself I can fly around the world. You know, there have, there have been um, seven women before me who have done it. And I don't know what's separating me from them. Like we all have this passion for aviation. We're all human. We're all women. I think what I can do it. Um, and so that was really the, the the purpose of this flight. That's how it all started. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I mean, I wish I could tell you, Annalise, it all happened like overnight. And but the reality is, is that um, it took four years of hard work, of dedication, of fundraising, of putting proposals together. I mean, it was just nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I had dedicated my life to this to this purpose to empower other, uh, the next generation to pursue careers in STEM and aviation. And I'm so glad I never gave up with them for long years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it all happened in 2017. Yeah, and it's um, it's an epic journey. And there's there's a lot of information um, out there. And the Dream Soar you know, website provides a fair amount of information about the details of sort of the flight and the adventure. And I, so I, I want to kind of not go there, but encourage our listeners, please go there. <laughs> because actually, the story of that 145-day journey is is it's fabulous. I hopefully, you know, and there's there's lots of stuff to sort of dig into, but I, I want to sort of step back away from the, that that singular set of 145 days and really talk about Shasta, the impact that that it, that that journey, that adventure, that ordeal, because there were components of it, there were a bit of an ordeal, the bravery and everything that came out of that, and sort of look at it sort of from the lens of everything that happened since then. Um, and the the work and the passion that you've had to to take um, that that adventure and bring it bring it home, if you will, in a real global sense, right? And to make components of that very very accessible to students around the world um, through the work that you're doing now. So let's talk a little bit about um, after that was all completed and and now sort of the the work that you're doing specifically. So share that with our listeners because you know a lot of our listeners are um, folks in the community, parents, but it's a lot of teachers, right? And it's a lot of folks at science museums and libraries that, you know, are gathering the stories that we're telling and trying to figure out how they can bring those stories or elements of the the, the work from the folks that they're hearing into their own communities. So share that with us. Hey, absolutely. Um, so yes, if you can visit dreamsoar.org, uh, you'll read a lot on there. We also have a YouTube page highlighting the, the global flight around the world. Uh, but when I landed 145 days later on October 3rd, uh, 2017, we had reached 3,000 children. And this, Annalise, was not like, you know, a big conference room. I mean, this was 3,000 mm-hmm. kids face-to-face, giving them hugs, shaking their hands, speaking to them, you know, um, face-to-face, Um, It was that type of interaction. And Mm -hmm. around the world, uh, what we had were planned outreach events. So it was very important that the goal was not for me to set a world record and fly around the world. The goal was how we reach as many children as we possibly can. So along the way, we hosted outreach events um, where where it was structured to give an introduction to these children um, about STEM and the different careers in STEM and in aviation And through the flight, we had reached 3,000 children around the world, and it was a total of 30 stops where I would go down and interact with these children. And once we finished the trip, DreamSword, the nonprofit, we visited an additional nine countries. Uh, We hosted an additional 29 outreach events around the world, and in total, we've reached over 12,000 children Again, introducing STEM and aviation, which, um, you know, it's not that big of a number, but I think the the intimacy and the time and energy Mm -hmm. that we've put into it, I mean, we really feel like we've made a great impact and there's so much more to do. So that's kind of the, the successes that came from the trip. And, you know, for me, it's been very important to inspire the next generation 
And it's another thing to empower them. And I know when I went through college, I struggled a lot financially because aviation is very expensive. Expensive. And I just remember pouring my heart out to all of these scholarships. And, you know, when I would hear back and I would get scholarships to support my flight training, I just, it felt so good to know that people are believing in me and people are investing in women in this, in this industry. So our next step um, was for Dream Store to offer a scholarship, which we did in January of 2019, right before coronavirus, you know, kind of hit the United States. We were able to award a $5,000 scholarship to a young woman uh, from my alma mater, Ember Riddle, um, a $5,000 scholarship to empower her to keep going um, and, and to get through her flight training. And now, you know, coronavirus has really changed so much, especially for aviation. I mean, if you think about it, you know, people are not flying as much, especially internationally. So it's been an interesting year, both for the nonprofits as well as for the aviation industry. Um, But we have been working really hard to, uh, I can't talk much about it because it's it's still... uh, at works and I've signed a non-disclosure agreement, but it's a very exciting dream store 2.0 that's going to empower um, children from around the world. We hope so. Um, And so we're busy working um, and we're just taking this time that it's not so busy in the nonprofit aviation world to, to really figure out how can we make a greater impact. And I can imagine that you know, in December of 2019, when you got to hand out that scholarship, it, it almost makes me, I feel very emotional on your behalf, right? <laughs> and that's kind of a crazy thing, but, but you know, I'm sitting back and I'm imagining what that would feel like, you know, for you to, to have come that, 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 that long journey and to get to the point where you are now handing the same sort of opportunity that, quite frankly, a lot of strangers handed to you, right? Mm-hmm. That you're handing that to another young woman. That must be incredibly gratifying. And yet at the same time, I, I can only imagine the inspiration you, you are getting from this young woman because you you can see the potential you've lived it, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's incredible because I've been in her shoes. I know how mm-hmm. it feels when you are barely holding on and you have all of these dreams to become an airline pilot or to become a pilot and professional pilot. And when you get that scholarship, it just empowers you and lifts you up and makes you feel lighter. And that, that was an important next step for dream store. It was like, we have to do this. Um, so it took our team some time to, to fundraise and, and build that up. And we hope to do it again. Um, especially to a young girl outside of Embry-Riddle, just to, you know, give people opportunities in in different situations in different parts of the United States. So more to come on that. But absolutely. I mean, I was just such an emotional wreck. I I, I (laughs) scholarship out and we had a big ceremony too. And it was just, it was an incredible feeling to do that. And I, I, I want to be able for this organization to continue to do this for years to come. That's fabulous and, and, and absolutely inspiring. 
So in addition to to that piece of work, you also have you have a, a children's book. I just want to make sure that our listeners know you have a, a, a children's book called Fly Girl Fly um, that you co-authored with Nancy uh, Ropem. So so tell our listeners just a touch about the book and what age group. So you know, because I'm sure folks will want to uh, get their hands on that. So that's yeah. that's pretty fun. Absolutely. So Fly Girl Fly, it, it's. It's called the story of Shastaways, which I'm like, <laughs> Shastaways, how is this possible? Um, <laughs> one thing that I've learned is representation matters. And mm-hmm. I remember going to the library and never really seeing someone, a pilot, a female pilot that looked like me, whose story was out there. There are a lot of pilots with a diverse background that are out there. You just never really get to hear about them or stories and books are not published about them. So my first big goal was we need to get a children's book out there. Um, mm-hmm. And it needs to, to tell the story of being born in a refugee camp and my family coming from Afghanistan and me being this shy young girl in class and, and just having a sense of like, not having a purpose and that all turning around as I found aviation and furthermore, when I flew around the world. Um, So it's a beautifully illustrated book. um, And Nancy wrote him is actually a Columbus, Ohio native. And she's written a couple of aviation books as well as other books. She had been with me kind of following along since the very beginning. Uh, my first stop actually on this global flight was Columbus, Ohio to honor Mary yeah. Mock, the first woman to ever fly solo around the world back in 1964. It was great to work with Nancy. Uh, the book is out on Amazon. It's actually right there. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, yeah, there it is behind her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just really to inspire the next generation, uh, whether you're a boy or a girl or any from any part of the world. All of my profits and proceeds go to the nonprofit for things like scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been very exciting. And now I'm kind of working on an adult's book. I don't have a writer uh, lined up yet. Um, but I've been so inspired by some of the books that I'm reading right now. And I, I want to be able to tell this story in an adult uh, mm-hmm. capacity so that people who are aviation enthusiasts are just curious about the world and the importance of empowering the next generation. You know, I want this book to be written for, for those adults, those teachers that you had mentioned. Um, so mm-hmm. that's something that's in the works right now. Absolutely. And so I always love to close this program by recognizing the fact that our listeners are coming from all over the world and they are in a variety of different circumstances and settings, um, very much the theme of this conversation that we've been having today. And I can see, because I, I, I can imagine it in my mind's eye and because I've worked with enough schools from around, around the world um, over the years to know that folks are sitting there saying, you know, what Shasta has done is amazing. And the way she's inspired, you know, um, others, you know, and kids to go go into a, a, to be brave at the end of the at, at the end of the day to be brave to take 
take a leap? You know, how how can I how can I do that? And whether it's aviation or anything else, I guess the, the question that I'm really asking Shasta is if there's a teacher sitting there saying, I would really like to bring this type of inspirational thing, whatever it happens to be, whatever that 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 industry sort of lens is into my classroom and really inspire students to imagine what's possible. You know, from your own experience, um, you know, two things. The first one is, what do you say to the adult that's contemplating trying to get creative about how could I inspire children? And then, you know, with with that child's hat on, if if there was something you could go back and either have access to or do differently, what would it be? Because I suspect there's a synergy between these two questions. Absolutely. Um, You know, this is a very interesting question. And it's something that a lot of our research and work goes into is how can we make that difference? How can we make that impact? And, you know, sometimes it's as basic as exposure, but not exposure in the sense of like, which I think, you know, the Wright brothers, Amelia Earhart, I mean, these are real heroes that have paved the way for aviators like me to to go out there and be brave. But I've learned that some people don't have that relation because it was so far in the past. It's not current. You don't see aviators in this day and age who are doing these types of flying and, and these types of projects. So there are a lot of very incredible young people that are doing incredible things in STEM and aviation. And I mm-hmm. think it's just taking the time to find that cool science nerd, you know, on Instagram, you know, from a teacher's perspective and making it more relatable um, versus your traditional black and white picture of Amelia Earhart, which I mean, that's my source of inspiration. Um, it's just with the younger generation making it relevant to them in a way where they see, they see through social media, they see through the news, through YouTube, and, and just incorporating what they enjoy through this inspiration. I think it's been very effective for us. And for the, the student perspective, I mean, it's just students want to just... Like, first, we have to really pull it back a little bit because STEM and aviation can seem very intimidating, um, especially for young girls. It is a very male-dominated industry, but there's a lot going into changing that. And I hope in the next coming years, we can turn it around and have a more balance uh, between the genders. But for them, it's just exposure to, to what's out there, knowing that aviation is not what it used to be so many years ago. It is relevant, it is exciting, and it's accessible to everybody. Because like I said, when you're in that that aircraft, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or, you know, it's just your passion, your ability to fly, to operate that aircraft. And so just showing them that it's not that difficult and that it is possible through through the young generation out there right now for proving that I think is is going to be um, very important for these young kids to see and to relate to. Absolutely. And thank you very much for that. Um, you know, we, we talk about that all the time at past. Find a way to make whatever it is that you want to teach or share 
uh, relevant. Make it make it locally driven. Recognize where your your students or your audience is coming from, and just really, really dig in. You can do it. So that's a wonderful uh, piece of advice for our mm-hmm. listeners. And so I thank you for that. And and thank you so much, Shasta, for sharing your story yet again and spending some time with us. We truly appreciate it. I thank you for being being part of the show. Thank you for having me, Annalise. It's great, all the work you guys are doing. Um, And keep it up. And thanks again for, for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.